Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. It happened somewhere else a while ago and also somewhere else now-ish several days ago. What a great title for a show. <laughs> I, love, I, I love how snappy and, remem- and memorable that is. Yeah, look, look, we can go into a, a, a tiny bit of pulling back the curtain, which is that you can't do too many good intros because if you do too many good intros and everyone expects you to constantly have a good intro. So every once in a while, you have to just make you have, you have to lower the overall quality of the intro so that when you are truly desperate and have just been dragged out of bed at like 3 a.m. and you have to record a podcast, your sort of <laughs> atonal noises will be considered normal. That's why I script all my intros. I, mm. but i'm just i'm just i'm just built yeah different. yes you're built um, different exactly. so this is that could happen here uh what are we what, what are we doing here today chris um we are talking about well actually admittedly we we, we had planned this episode before uh this happened yeah we, we yeah. planned this episode before the 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 referendum in cuba about the new family code but yeah we are today we're gonna be talking about the the kind of bleak but sort of gets better history of homosexuality in Cuba and how things went from very bad to getting a lot better and then also how a lot of American leftists like picked up a version of the history of this that is just sort of nonsense. And here here with us to talk about this is Andres Petiera, who is well, doing doing many things, one of which is studying for a PhD in Latin American history at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. Andres, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks so much for having me. Great to be here. Yeah, Max, I'm excited to talk to you about this. So, 
Okay, I, I guess the, the place that I want to start is I want to go back to the 60s. Mm. And I want to go back to something that I, I, I don't think a lot of people understand very well in terms of what happened in... It's just happened in, in various ways and over, over a lot of sort of these new sort of revolutionary socialist states, which is that you you get this attempt to like form a like a, a, a sort of like like a, a new revolutionary subject. Sometimes it's it's like I mean the Soviet one was like the new man. There there are sort of different versions of this across the sort of various socialist revolutionary states. I guess I wanted to ask you to talk about how this kind of got really really homophobic in Cuba like pretty quickly. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, and, and and one of the interesting parts about the story in Cuba is that it actually is in part imported from the USSR and ideas in the USSR. And that's actually one of the connections which in the literature isn't, in the academic literature at least, isn't always that well explored because Cubanists tend to be very insular. We don't really tend to <laughs> learn Russian. I'm, I'm, a, I'm kind of crazy. I actually am learning Russian, but... Um, <laughs> Uh, but no, so, so, um, you know, there was obviously lots of homophobia, lots of, you know, all like lots of op bigotry against LGBT people before 1959, not unlike the United States in the 1950s. Like you could live privately or maybe in certain safe spaces, you could live a kind of okay life, but you know, it was definitely a very marginalized position, lots of bigotry and lots of personal danger in addition to a lack of basic rights. Um, after 1959, uh, you know, you have this jettisoning, jettisoning of the Catholic Church and kind of religious reasons for being bigoted uh, with the coming of the revolution, which is a secular communist revolution. Um, but what, what ends up happening is they, uh, and this is something that Abel Sierra Madero's recent book uh, on, on um, on these policies talks about a lot is this kind of attempt to remake Cuban men into the, the man that's needed for this communist society in the future. And as part of this, they engage in a sort of social hygiene. We don't want people who are lazy. We don't want people who are degenerate, but you know, bourgeois degeneracy, bah, you know, that kind of stuff. And within this, you know, a persecution of people who are seen as either out either as gay or at least as soft and they need to be made into real macho men for the revolution and um this started out in a very series of isolated things right you would have like uh virgilio pineda was who was a dramaturge he was um he was jailed uh and he basically he was being targeted because people wanted his house and so if he was jailed and his belongings were separated from him then like someone could get to keep his apartment. Like that seems to be why he was originally targeted. And he was detained twice for basically walking while gay. That's how basically what the incident boils down to. He was walking effeminately and people, and he was detained by the police. And he was freed because he had like, he was an important person. He was, you know, he had some protections. But then as the decade rolls on, as the 1960s roll on, that's like, that's 1960, one year after the revolution. 1965, you have the creation of a series of forced labor camps. And there's not really any way to get around that. Um, we don't know exactly how many were sent there. 
Um, but it seems to be in the thousands, maybe tens of thousands. We Again, we don't know because the government hasn't declassified that information. So it's still a conjecture, but it's not because people don't want to investigate the details. Um, and you, these are thousands and thousands of people who are being sent for all sorts of reasons. Jehovah's Witnesses, um, uh, people who listen to rock, people who are seen as hippies, uh, Elvis Preslianos, so Elvis Presleyans, so people who listen to oh, no. Elvis Presley because that was seen as too effeminate and too Yankee. Um, and, and so they were sent to the camps and to do forced labor, but the, the camps weren't just about forced labor. They were about remaking through labor these men into real men because hard labor, proletarian labor, would you know remake their spirits and their ethics. And uh, I mean, it's kind of not unlike what we're seeing in the 1960s in China, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Th yeah, there's a very explicit like one one of the things. Well, yeah, one of the things that is that's going on during the Cultural Revolution also. Yeah, it's like that they they have they have this sort of reeducation through labor thing that starts and it gets it does get it, yeah like I've seen conflicting accounts of the extent to which like people were directly targeted for being gay. I it definitely did happen and there's a, yeah and you you get a lot of this sort of same thing of like these people are like spiritually unpure and like they have to be like reeducated and they have to be sort of like turned into like proper like subjects and there's a lot of especially like there's a lot of sort of like there, there's a lot of people like being forced to hold signs that say sodomite and shit yeah Whoa. which is although fun, funnily enough and the, and the weird part about this is that like in the chinese case so the cultural revolution is like not a great time to be gay but there's also this thing it, it there's this thing kind of like it's kind of like like 1920s berlin where like there are there is some really bad stuff that happens but there's also this sort of like there's a kind of general political chaos so you can get away with some stuff to there's actually there's another campaign in china in it starts about 1983 yeah it's called the strike hard campaign mm -hmm. interestingly there's there's actually two strike hard campaigns so there's there's one in the 80s that's supposed to be this campaign against like crime and stuff and so like they target a bunch of people who are like supposed to be like social criminals and then that winds up being a lot of like there's just, there are just mass arrests of gay people they're in prison for a very very long time um yeah under although that one's also interesting because it's like you have very similar kind of reasoning but it's like but it's in this sort of like dang like counter-revolutionary like phase where it's like instead of being instead of being a danger to the revolution they're like sort of a danger to like traditional chinese values which is <laughs> Interesting, oh, interesting and bleak yeah well because like because this is one of the one of the things that happens in china right is it like in in you know there there is an attempt to sort of do more egalitarian like gender relations during during the cultural revolution during the sort of like revolutionary period and then when dang takes power part of his thing is like no we're going back to traditional gender relations like all of this egalitarian stuff was a mistake and like this is part this is part of where the one child policy comes from but then also Whoa. you get a really homophobic crackdown in like 83 like like three or four years after sort of like He's well, he's so and actually weirdly almost exactly the same time that like the real sort of market reforms hit like like it's, it's it's like a year later is when the package that sort of like really brings the market back to China happens. It's, I don't it, it's it's a very weird yeah we we've kind of gotten we've gotten very off topic but it's it's a very weird interesting sort of like social flip that happens. Yeah, yeah. for sure, and it definitely makes me want to read more about like China during this period. Yeah, well, I, I think it's interesting like. Like the, the other thing that you were talking about earlier that is that like is similar to me is I've talked to like queer people from Vietnam and they have a very similar story about like like the, I mean there was homophobia before but they have a very similar story to the Cuban story about how 
like there was a sort of importation of like Soviet homophobia mm-hmm. and how that made everything like when that this starts happening in the eighties and it gets just like significantly worse. Yeah, no, it's uh and in Cuba, um what's it called? Like the the, the whole idea that this is a form of bourgeois degeneracy and the gayness yeah. gayness is specifically bourgeois. Uh, is like was really surprising to me as I dug into this like there's comics uh, I I, in this thing I wrote uh, I include a couple of them but it's basically like it's put up there with wanting to be in la sociedad libre like free society in the west and so the west is it's like it's almost like reactionary I mean it is reactionary I mean it's like it's it's like a very weird weird mirror of like far-right discourse because it's like the degeneracy of the West. Meanwhile, here we have masculine values. I mean, you even yeah. see that type of rhetoric with, we, we were talking about Alexander Dugan recently, and he he exposes a lot of that type of stuff as, as, as well as someone who is, you know, a fascist writer who's pulled on some of like the national Bolshevik type stuff before. Um, yeah, you can attack, uh, attack gayness as it's like a sign of liberalism in the west as like this like almost like bourgeois tendency yeah i, I forget i forget who it was someone, there was someone on twitter who was talking about there's like it's, it's a very interesting thing but like yeah like in in like in in the u.s like i don't know like being like for a very very long time it's still kind of now you get this versus like like being gay like is is you know like being queer is a sign of like you're a communist and you're like there's like a degenerate communist, et cetera. And then you go to like Vietnam and it's like, oh yeah, this person's gay. They're a, they're, they're, they're a degenerate Western, like kind of revolutionary. And it's, 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 it's like, it's always the same. The, the, the actual sort of like homophobic thing is the same. It's just this, like the signs are flipped of like what yeah. the other is and who you can accuse them of sort of having the values of. I wonder if the unifying factor here is, and this is something I'm thinking about a lot because of Abel Sierra Madero's book, which is that, uh, I mean, queerness as a disease, yeah, an illness. And so like that, so it allows you to glomp onto it anything you don't like from your own ideological prism. So I I also wonder a lot about how nationalism plays into it, because Mm -hmm. That's one of the things that happens in a lot of these sort of revolutionary projects is like, yeah, like the, the sort of ideal of the new man is sort of like a communist thing. But it's also like very specifically something that you get with like with nationalist revolutions where it's like, well, OK, so we like we we, we have to like like part of part of like the basis of our national identity is like we are these like incredibly sort of masculine hard men or whatever. And then this like. I don't know, I, I it, it it strikes me. It strikes me as interesting that, like, the, the 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 further that sort of nationalism becomes entangled in, like, these revolutionary projects, like, the more you start to see this kind of stuff. Yeah, and and definitely part of this is is nationalism because it's it's not just homophobia in Cuba in this context in the sixties. It's not just homophobia for the sake of homophobia, though there is that too. But it's it's also that. I, I don't think Fidel Castro is entirely lying when he says that it was part of the need to mobilize as much of society as possible for the economy. What's happening in Cuba in the 1960s is basically the economy is going into a meltdown. Um, the econ- economic policies that they're enacting have not been working. They've burned through any surplus they had in 1959, uh, including goodwill surpluses in a couple of respects. Uh, and I think that like some people point to like the new man and people will work for moral incentives, not material incentives. 
as just this naive thing. And then I think the most convincing counter argument is they didn't have anything else to incentivize people with. Yeah, people people make this this, this is a, this is like basically there's an identical like argument that you get about the cultural revolution where like you start to see these like incentives are like Mao will like give you a mango or something or like you have these like pins that you get and and like it, it, it could be like yeah it's a, it's a very it's like the same thing of like you have these rewards that are sort of like yeah they're sort of supposed to be sort of like spiritual almost or sort of like spiritual ideological rewards and then eventually like it kind of just stops working because it turns out that's not actually a very good basis for yeah <laughs> economic system <laughs> Uh, do, do you guys know the old joke about Che uh, Guevara when he was given uh, assigned to become the minister of the banks? I don't know the joke. I know the thing about like he was my 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 vague memory is like the the story that I heard was like he signed his name like really sloppily on it because he was pissed off that like he had to put his face on money or something. But I have no idea if that's true. No, or that's, not. That, that part's actually true. He did, he he hated money so much he refused to sign his actual name. He just signed his nickname as like. <laughs> Just to show his disdain for 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 uh, economics, but uh, at a meeting, the the old joke goes, and this is something that Che apparently liked to tell as well, even if it's not necessarily true, that at the meeting where they were deciding who's going to become the minister of what, uh, they said, uh, uh, "Who here is an economist?" And he raises his hand, and everyone goes, "Che, but you're a doctor. You're not an economist." He says, "Oh, I thought you asked for a communist, <laughs> economista, comunista, like." <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, no, I mean, Che, and, and che, I think I, I've heard arguments, I'm not an expert on Che, but I've heard that he was actually pretty heavily influenced by China real, compared to the USSR. He leaned closer to China. Yeah, that actually, that actually gets, I make, I think, I think, I guess that kind of makes sense given his sort of like, like the, the, the way his military strategy seems to have worked, which is very, very much like a lot closer to sort of like Maoist strategy than well, okay, I'm, I'm going to put Soviet strategy in quotation marks because, oh my God, is there, like, I, I, the, I, I, I have a very negative, a very dim view of of so of of the military strategy of people who are of of like guerrilla organizations who are taking their military strategy directly from the Soviet Union. It's a lot of like we're going to build up one giant army in a place, and one day they're going to roll into the capital, and it's like this. Okay, this yeah. <laughs> is my strategy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that make that makes sense. Um, okay, yeah. Uh, reining reining myself in a little bit, we have these basically labor camps that gay people are getting put into. We have kind of a material basis for it, which is, uh, and this is one of the things that like people actually will use as a defense of sort of like, it's like, well, we had to put these people in these camps because of our material conditions, which I think like. I feel like that makes it worse. Like, I feel like the fact <laughs> yeah. that there's a, there's a material basis for your homophobia, like, makes it harder to get rid of and makes it, like, a more entrenched part of the system, which, I, I don't know, bizarre defense to me. But, yeah, um, can we talk a bit about, like, okay, so, like, how, how did this actually end and to what extent did it end and did it sort of, like, have this, like, half-life afterwards? Sure. So, so the, these last for a couple of years. This is not, like, a flash in the pan, like, oops, our bad, kind of like, you know, six months in. This is like a series of multiple work camps across the province of Camagüe, which is in central Cuba, and they last for three years. And there's pushback during this period, domestic pushback, international pushback, like people have been complaining about it for a while. Exactly what the definitive thing that got them, the, the UMAC closed specifically, those are the 
unidades militares de ayuda a la producción, military units to aid production. So the UMAP themselves, which were opened from 1965 to 1968, they do eventually get closed in 68. People are freed, you know, like, you know, the camps are closed and uh, people are sent home. And um, there are varying stories. I have looked through, like tried to trace as many stories as I can get. Um, uh, and even, even people who like were participants have different stories. So like, I remember Carlos Franchi, who was one of op opposition figure. He has one story that centers himself in, in the closure. Other stories say that it was the international pressure. Other stories say that it was the write, Writers and Artists Union, the official one, the state one, the UNIAC, which filed enough complaints and that convinced Fidel to get it closed down. Um, that anecdote is actually from Maddie Glass Iglesias's dad, Jose Iglesias, who wrote oh, about really? this. Oh, really? I didn't know he was his dad. Huh. Yeah. Oh, sorry, his <laughs> grandfather, his <laughs> grandfather. Okay. His communist grandfather. Um, but uh, he who actually who wrote a book about the 60s. He's, he's an interesting guy. Uh, but anyway, so the camps get closed one way or another. And I don't think we're going to ever know the definitive answer until like there's actual declassification. But they're closed. But the thing is, um, while the camps get closed, we have reports from different people, including some of the sources that are used as apologia for the UMAP, saying, wait, 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 social disgrace units keep existing well into the early 1970s. And so we do have sporadic reports of things like this happening where seminarists are sent to religious people for, for being atheists, or sorry, for not being atheists. Uh, you know, gay people are being sent, other people, marihuaneros, so people who spoke smoke pot, you know, anyone who's seen as like not conforming into the, this ideal new man, you're sent there and the labor is supposed to reform you. And that's that's a key part of this. It's not just labor as punishment, it's labor as ideological reform. There's even a, a, one of the people, some of the people in the one camp say that there was a sign that says, el trabajo os hará hombres, work will make you men. Jesus. Oh, <laughs> oh no. Yeah. <laughs> Like work will set you free. Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, so so the, the camps do continue, seem to continue. And um, it's it definitely seems to be the case that, uh, you know, gay people do continue to be arrested for being gay, uh, even though the intensity of this does die down by the 1970s. There's something pretty bad that also happens in the 1970s, but it's a slightly different project. It's not as centered on forced labor. Yeah, and I guess so. The yeah, the th the thing that you wrote this piece about that I should actually probably mention that is one of the things we're talking about is you you wrote a very long piece about um called factually based, which is about sort of the, the the kind of mythology that developed in the U.S. about like how these camps were closed and the sort of like apologia around it, and a lot of this is based on Leslie Feinberg, which is. Depressing in a lot. So Leslie Feinberg, people who don't know, is like one of, one of the most important like trans authors ever. Um, wrote Stone Butch Blues, which is like if you've ever been in like any sort of like queer or trans scene, uh, you probably know about or possibly have read. And she wrote. 
mm-hmm. not a great account of this. Yeah. Do you want to talk a bit about what what this was and how people have sort of used it in different ways? Sure. So like I for years, I heard like arguments from this book and I didn't know they were from this. I just saw people sharing online online and thinking, where the hell are people getting this? This is not this is not true. And eventually I find out that it's it dates back to this book called Rainbow Solidarity in Defense of Cuba by Leslie Feinberg. It was written um, mid to late uh, 2000s. Um, really, it's not a book. It's a compilation of articles which Feinberg wrote for as part of the Lavender and Red series for this uh, world's uh, Workers' World newspaper, which is like this Marciite sect, which Feinberg yeah. seems to have been a part of. Um, real, real weirdos. Like, I they those people like they 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 have positions that are like bizarre, even by the standards of like modern tankies. Like they're they're like like the, 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 these are people who are like hardline on defending the derg in Ethiopia, which is like stuff that's weird enough that like most most modern like ideal like hardline ideological Stalinists don't know what this like don't even know what this is or won't defend it because it's like. Because, like, most Ethiopian Marxists are like, this was fucked. Like, it's, it's, yeah. Also, th- this is, the other, the other thing about these guys is, so if you know about the, the PSL, the Party of Socialism and Liberation, they, they emerged from a split with the WWP. Yeah, because the, it was the WWP was too moderate or something. Yeah, right? I, 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 my, my, my memory of it was it was a split about whether, whether or not you should take money from North Korea. I don't know. I don't. I don't know if that's hundred percent true. That that that's my memory of the last time I read about it. So th- 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 these are who these guys are. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. No. No. I mean, there, there, there's a reason that PSL and WWP seem to have very similar lines. Um. So. So anyway, so I'm, I'm. I finally get this book. I order it secondhand, so I'm not giving anyone royalties. Um. And I I get the book, and it starts like arguing. You know trying to, you know, defend the track record of the revolution. And really, it's like, basically, it seems that this book and a, an article that came out before any of Feinberg's articles, an article by John Hilson in the early 2000s, are kind of a response to how, as the kind of, like, how LGBT rights were treated in the mainstream in, like, the United States was shifting. There was, a, like, less homophobia movement towards more recognition of rights in the 2000s and in that context Cuba's Cuba's track record on LGBT rights which is pretty pretty bad you know was getting hammered and so they're writing this as a response to that and Feinberg warns in the introduction don't expect a criticism of Cuba in this book it's factually based but you know and I put it in quotes factually based but uh you know it's it's factually based but it's you know this is it's basically meant as counter propaganda to the criticisms and the the section that everyone quotes, I mean, the book is the book isn't that long. I think it's like a hundred pages. I have it over here. Um, it's like a hundred pages long. It's all these different articles. Um, the section that most people quote is actually like two or three pages. It's this very short section on the UMAP. And uh, Feinberg talks about the UMAP and cites basically three people to talk about it. Basically, one one of the sources is Ignacio eh, Ramonet, who is this foreign journalist who interviews Fidel and gave Fidel the opportunity to give these explanations and defenses of his policies, uh, where basically Fidel uh, 
basic Fidel defends it as a part of the necessity of mobilizing the entire country in in the face of the crisis that it felt uh, that was facing in the 1960s from the United States. So it needed to mobilize everyone. It was part of mo economic mobilization, and it was almost a favor to gay people because they couldn't go into the military because there was too much homophobia in the military. So they almost did them a favor by giving them sending them off to do labor that wasn't with the military in these nice little you know economic productive units. And then, you know, oh, there were some views, uh, you know, there was some stuff, so we shut them down. Um, and this is before Fidel actually admitted that there was persecution of uh, LGBT people in Cuba under his watch, which comes in like 20, a 2010 interview. So this is like his version of things right before then, and that's what Feinberg cites. Another of, her, uh, of the sources is Cardinal, Ernesto Cardinal, who I'm, I'm, I'm happy to expand on him, but the short version is, that Ernesto Cardenal is going around Cuba in 1970 and 1971 for two short trips. And he's just basically writing down everything and anything people tell him. Some of it's very critical, some of it's very supportive. He's not actually claiming anything is factual. He's saying, I am in Cuba, this is what people are telling me, make up your own minds. Like that is his stance, but it's presented as this, uh, uh, like it's not critically analyzed at all. And it's these two separate stories. One of them is that, a hundred communist youth members infiltrated the camps on hearing that there were abuses there. And they wrote reports saying that there were abuses, so the camps were shut down. And then there's the separate story, also sourced to Cardinal by Feinberg, that Fidel personally infiltrates the camps incognito. And then there is this like a uh, guard who is going to like cut the cord on his ha hammock to wake him up and get him, force him to work. And Fidel revealed himself. And, and, you know, almost, almost like, why dost thou persecute me, Saul, kind of deal, like, very, it sounds like a very biblical story. So it's, it's a good yarn, but it's not, doesn't sound very serious. And also the two stories kind of contradict each other. Why does Fidel have to infiltrate if the hundred communist youth members have gone, you know, or vice versa, you know? You don't. Yeah, like, it's really weird. Like, you know, like why, why would there be both? Like both of them, you, you can't present both of them as true at the same time. Like, they, they're, they're mutually contradictory accounts of how this happens. Very, very weird. Exactly. And, and, and in, in Cardinal, they're not even presented back to back. The, 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 the hundred communist youth members is literally a dude he saw on the street who told him this. It's a paragraph and that's it. Like we don't have any other context. The other story, the Fidel infiltrating is shared is slight sounds slightly more credible if you really want to believe it but then if you actually read into it it's more like it doesn't it also doesn't hold water yeah it's a like a, a guy heard from another guy like it's it's yeah he's he he's a guard it is a guard narrating this but he like he talks about what he saw un up until like half into the paragraph and then the rest is clearly implied to be Stop, stuff he heard about but wasn't actually present for and Feinberg presents him as a witness of both. So anyway, so that's that's Feinberg's whole defense. Like basically Fidel had no idea there were abuses even though the very existence of the camps themselves were abuses. And then, but they were shut down and everything's hunky-dory, you know, that's, that's Feinberg's defense. And then of course the third thing is that she refers both citations to Filson which I can get into in a second, but just, I, I think part of the problem is that Feinberg didn't actually read Cardinal. Me. 
Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Yeah, so Hilson, Hilson is uh, another activist. I'm not sure if he's LGBT. I'm not quite, like that, that part I'm less clear on. But he was another activist. He died very early in the 2000s, I think, um, from, from cancer. He, uh, but he wrote an article that cites Cardinal and cites both sections that Feinberg later cites. And not more, not less. And I think what's what happened was that Feinberg basically goes to this article, which basically makes more or less makes the kind of arguments that Feinberg is already making in her, in her own work. But what what when when she sees things that seem to exculpate the Cuban government, she basically does copy paste and a little parenthesis to give credit to Hilson, and then moves on. Right? She doesn't actually read uh, Hilson. Hilson even like treats it a little more cautiously than Feinberg did, even though not sufficiently cautiously. And I think that that explains why, and at least this is a generous interpretation, Feinberg doesn't actually address the fact that in her own exculpatory source, there's talk of other camps. Like at the time, Cardinal is like, I'm yeah. going to the camps, I'm visiting the camps, there are camps here. Like, 
you know, so it doesn't it doesn't make sense unless maybe Feinberg didn't read the book, like just like copied and pasted and didn't really think about it. Yeah. Or or just like went and found the one section that that was useful and then just read that part. Yeah. Which, yeah, not not a great way to do history, as it turns out. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, so. I, I this I, I, I will do my one return to Marx moment uh, in this interview, which is to say <laughs> ruthless critique of all that exists. Yeah, <laughs> things that you generally support because otherwise you wind up with this stuff. Yeah, and yeah, and my God, it's done the rounds. This thing has been going around, around and around on the internet for years and years. Yeah, and I guess we should also say that, like, yeah, you know, this is this is the thing that happens with like any any like every one of these like every one of the socialist countries we've been talking about. Like, you will get people who basically are like. Like ah hey look at this bad thing uh we're gonna but people who are like I don't know you yeah you get like Cuban right wingers who are like also unbelievably homophobic who suddenly like discover a passion for gay rights because oh, oh yeah. hey look at these abuses and it's like yeah it's I don't know it sucks it yeah and I, I mean I, and I think it genuinely is a part of the reason why this version becomes like a memory that like. Like this for these sort of versions of the story, which like don't have are not like really credible, like be, be become sort of entrenched in the sort of like socialist memory of of this period in the U.S. Because it's like, well, okay, so so on the on the one hand, you have a bunch of sort of like like incredible fanatical right wingers talking about what was going on, and then you have like, hey, here's another story from a socialist. And it's like, well, we're going to believe the socialist version. And it's like, well, neither of these people. Like not like, but both of these groups are, like ha- have an incredibly clear agenda going into what they're doing, and so you have to sort of like actually sift through the stuff yourself. Otherwise, you weird wind up with very very weird and distorted histories. Yeah, and and people just really want to believe it. I mean, I think yeah. that that's that's my conclusion. Like I when I was re- re- originally researching for this, I was I was pissed. Like I was like this is, these are just not true. How could someone publish this? You know, I was really angry. And I kept trying to write that like a piece based on that. And I keep kept stopping. I'm like, this is not the right approach. This is not the right, like I kept stopping myself. And then I, I finally was like, try to, okay, put myself in Feinberg's shoes. If I was, you know, really loved, you know, if I was like as enamored as Feinberg was of everyone and everything involved in the Cuban revolution. And at the same time, one a member of a persecuted group right you know and i really wanted to square this circle like and i saw something that let me do that i would probably also just glamp onto it and just not really try not think about it too much for the same reason right you want you you know our defenses are low when it's something we want to believe yeah and this is the ah there there is an enormous amount of stuff that just sort of people I mean, just yeah, like everyone has a bunch of stuff that they believe because they want it. They want it to be true. Like it's it's not like like we're 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 being hard on the socialists here, but like I don't know. Like this is why half the people who believe Q shit believe it, right? Like it's 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 the, yeah. it's, the, it's, the, it's the it's the thing they want to believe and the thing they sort of have to believe for the ideology to function. So it's like it's not like I don't know. Like it, it, it's it, it's it's not that much different than like. And Paul Wolfowitz, like, still thinking the Iraq War worked or something, right? Like, it's, 
it's 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 the thing you have to believe in order to not like have to sort of process the complications of what you're supporting. Yeah. So I, I think yeah I, the other thing I want to talk about sort of moving past this is about the stuff that's been happening recently and about how stuff got better in Cuba because this is I like th- th- this is this is one of the places where like things actually did genuinely get a lot better than like it was and I want to talk a bit about like how that happened before we get to sort of the stuff that's been happening in the last like week or so. Yeah, um, and and you know, I'm happy to get into happier territories. Yeah, because well. <laughs> it sucks. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, oh god, it's 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 definitely doomer stuff to to always uh, think about the '60s. Uh, the um, so after the '60s, it did get pretty. It was pretty bad in the 1970s too. There was a purge of education and culture of anyone LGBT or suspected of being LGBT, because the idea is that they would recruit and influence and corrupt the minors and blah, 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 blah. Same oh, where have we heard this before? Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, so uh. someone can probably do an article comparing the, the Culture and Education Congress in 71 in Cuba with 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 uh, policies in the United States right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. And But then things start to get better in the 1980s a little bit. Like the, the, the throttles pull back. It's not great, but it's, you know, it's not terrible, as terrible as it was. And then from the late 1980s into the 1990s, we really see to see, get, start to see a sea change, both in terms of popular culture and in terms of the uh, of state policy. And of course, they're intertwined because the, who 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 allows films to be put on in theaters? Yeah. The state. They own all the theaters. So, um, in terms of culture, I actually know one of the people who had a, a play a, played a key role in this, which is Senel Paz. And Senel Paz is this writer from a small town in Cuba, a small village, and he goes to Havana. He's a, he's a writer and artist, and he wrote this short story about this platonic relationship between a patriotic gay man and a patriotic Cuban heterosexual member of the communist youth who develop a respect for each other. And it's like, even though like the gay man is alienated from state policies because of the persecution of LGBT people, he actually knows a lot more about history and culture in Cuba than the heterosexual guy who's rah rah revolution, but doesn't actually know like all these important writers and artists and, and things like that that are also important for Cuban national identity. That when that was first read in the Casa de las Americas, which is like this huge building for Cuban culture, people wept just openly. And then it was made into a movie called Fresas y Chocolate, so strawberry and chocolate. Uh, I can explain the title if you want, but bas- it, it basically it's the same story. But it's expanded a bit because the original was a short story. And you can actually get it in the United States. I think uh, Paramount bought the rights to, for distribution. Fox may have bought the rights. I don't know. But it was came out in like 1993. And it was a big ch- turning point for pub- public perception, right? Um, I actually have a, a friend of mine was uh, who who knows who knows the author. He was stopped at his building and this the wife of a colonel who lives in his building says, my husband wants to see you. My friend's like, what, would you make? what did I do? <laughs> he goes up to the colonel's house. The colonel says, sit, you want coffee or anything? The guy says, my friend says, no. And the colonel says, okay, explain to me this film that's come out recently. Because the, the colonel wasn't going to see it in theaters. Then my friend explains the movie. And the guy says, no, 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 explain everything. So basically my friend does a scene by scene synopsis for memory. And after like an hour and change in this guy's house, the colonel's just sitting there, not saying anything. He said, 
if I'd understood this and seen this earlier, things might have been different. Oh. It's like, like think you know, it's it, it's a huge turning point yeah. culturally, and then politically, you also have Mariela Castro. So Mariela Castro is daughter of Raúl Castro, so niece of Fidel, and she from within the government, using her position of privilege, really starts to push for better LGBT policies towards LGBT people and better you know, laws and rights. And she, at the head of the CENESEX, which is the National Center for Sex Education, she really starts to spearhead an improvement. And we start to see in the 1990s and 2000s, not just a pulling back of persecution, at least official persecution, you know, you can still have informal persecution level of jobs, uh, but, uh, you also start to see things like L- trans people can have gender affirming surgery backed by the state, you know, free of cost, uh, like all these sorts of different protections and policies, like the Senesex will, if there's like a homophobic incident at a school, they can send out somebody to give a talk and say, this is why persecuting someone for their gender identity or their sexual orientation is wrong. But, but, but you really see a shift in the position of the state. And that's not just Mariela. I don't want to make it about Mariela, but behind her is of course, all these other, these LGBT people who would not be in the position to demand this for themselves, but she definitely spearheads this. And I think she deserves some merit for that. Yeah, it's interesting that they have like, that they have a level of sort of buy-in from the state, because I think like that doesn't happen in like China or Vietnam. And like, you know, I mean like Vietnam, like there, there has actually been stuff there in the last like year where there's been a lot of real progress but like they like literally one month ago the government was like we're going to declare homosexuality no longer like a mental illness and like that's sort of just like a month ago yeah 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 wow and and there's only people a bit like queer people have been fighting for in vietnam for like a long time but like and even then like there's this whole thing there where like people like you get you get this especially if you, talk, if you talk to medical people in like you talk to doctors you'll get this thing where like well okay so there's like real and the, the other thing this thing did is it, it, it outlawed conversion therapy but if you talk to doctors about it doctors are like well there are real gay gay people and there are fake gay people and the real gay people you can't do conversion therapy on but but this rule there but these guys are like well, this ruling only covers the real gay people it doesn't cover the fake gay people you can still do conversion oh, therapy on. like it's it's a disaster <laughs> and like i i don't know like it's and like China also has been really bleak. Like I'm, I'm just gonna. You're talking about a lot about sort of like the effect the media has on it. Um, I'm, I'm gonna read this thing from uh, the Chinese General Rules for Television Drama Content Production from 2015. Which, okay, I've seen conflicting things, but I, I think this is still in effect. If 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 it's not still in effect, it was only reversed in like 2021. But I, I think it's still in effect. And also, there have been new sort of guidelines that have been put out for movies that are about like. I mean, specifically, there's stuff where, like, you, you can't have gay men in movies, you can't have men that are too effeminate in movies, like, you can't have men that look like they're cross-dressing in movies. I'm, I'm going to read this thing from the TV code. Um, so this is, this is stuff that it says is, is explicitly is not to be shown. Content which depicts or portrays unnatural sexual relations and actions, such as incest, homosexuality, perversion, sexual harassment, sexual assault, sexual violence, etc. Uh, this is provision, that's provision 2, provision 3. Content which portrays and promulgates unhealthy perspectives on marriage and married love, such as, extra, such as extramarital love, one night stands, free love, etc. This sorry, is from 2015. Sorry, sorry, try guys, not allowed. <laughs> yeah, no, like it's like it's. 
Oh God! Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna do a Try Guys joke every episode for all of oh, eternity God. now. Oh no! <laughs> never, it's never kicking you old. off the recording. Yeah. The, 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 the French are surely complaining that the ban on cheating on your wife is a, a imposition on their culture. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> That's actually extremely racist against the French. <laughs> I there somebody doesn't mention. I I was gonna make a I was gonna make a a, a, a French film pedophilia joke, but it doesn't actually ban. It bans incest, but it doesn't actually yeah. ban. Like the, I mean, I, th- I think the, 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 the thing curious. the thing on the thing on being on pedophile. I think I think is in a different section of the code that I didn't copy here, but who knows? Whew, yeah, so and I I think part of what was going on there was like yeah, like there wasn't like I mean th- things have gotten like it. it the the law that was being used to arrest like gay people in China like was they abolished it in the nineties but like and like there was a culture shift but it it didn't like the the state decided it was gonna do the same thing the U S state which is, is doing which is like do this sort of backlash to it and it it didn't like that kind of stuff didn't happen which is I think really bleak but also like is genuinely a, a thing that like like yeah like the good 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 for good for the Cuban people good for Cuba like. Glad, glad you all are doing this. this no, this yeah, is, major, yeah, because like major win. Yeah, because like, cause, you know, like you can you can see what happens when like this doesn't happen, which is all of this bullshit that exists in a lot of the other sort of post-Soviet like or post-communist countries. Yeah, I I think that Cuba would have done it eventually, but I think that Mariela definitely just sped it along. Yeah, and like there's def- there's definitely a problem of a cult of Mariela. With, like abroad, where it's like all all thanks be great be due to Mariella. It's like c- completely cuts out all the people behind her, you know, who also been like, please ask ask your uncle <laughs> to do this for me. I got to get married someday. Uh, but uh, you know, but at the same time, I think we can't cut her out of the story. Yeah. Either. So. Yeah, and and that gets us to, well, I guess I guess you start in twenty nineteen first. But yeah, the, the the new family code that's passed, which. Also, I, I, I do want to mention this because I don't think, like, people don't seem to know this when I tell them about this, about ne- neither China nor Vietnam is gay marriage, in, in, in neither China nor Vietnam is gay marriage legal, and there's a lot of people who think that the repeal that happened in Vietnam legalized gay marriage, and that's not what happened. Like, the thing that it did is you will no longer be arrested for having your own unofficial marriage, which is a thing that could happen. <laughs> Oh, but th- this is this this is this is not this is not the thing that is happening in Cuba. Like, I I see this with people a lot, where like something good will happen in Cuba and people will project it onto like China, and it's like that's no, like they're not the same place. Like, don't 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 do this with this stuff. Don't project the Cuban medical system onto the Chinese medical system. They're not the same. Please stop. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, but yeah, go, going on to stuff that's good and the stuff, but on also the sort of like. Yeah, so can we talk a bit about like the, what talk about like the 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 2019 referendum and the sort of like the the stuff about sort of sorry, how to explain this like the 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 story of how the stuff that's happening now didn't happen in 2019. Yeah, so when this referendum was happening. Yeah, yeah, so so when the in in the the 2010s, the Raul Castro who, who took over after Fidel, um he began using a bunch of referendums to decide major things, major policy changes, and using referendums kind of just to like, because like the because the National Assembly is basically a rubber stamp committee. Like referendums really took to the fore as a way to like channelize uh, channel support and you know show popular acquiescence to major changes among the Constitution. 
So uh, as part of the, they did a draft constitution, they debated it. Uh, there were debates all around the country at local levels in, 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 uh, on, in neighborhoods and workplaces and people gave feedback. The um, marriage equality and, and, and things connected to it, which we can get into in a second, these were part of, for the most part, part of the 2019 constitution, but there was a lot of pushback. Um, like, obviously, if, if, if the state has been repressing LGBT people for decades, that part of their coalition just doesn't stop overnight. Does, yeah. doesn't just stop being bigoted overnight because of, you know, a change in policy. So, you know, it wasn't just that the religious right, like evangelicals, there are a lot of evangelicals in, in Cuba right now. There's a growing evangelical population, oh, I'm sorry God. to say. Yeah, backed by <sighs> US evangelical money. Oh, God. Uh, no, please. Repressing the wrong people. Oh. <laughs> and and then there's the, the, the Catholic, right, obviously, you know, much more, you know, discreetly, but still very, you know, against this. Uh, and there was enough pushback that the government was worried that I don't know if they were worried that the the referendum would fail entirely, but it did seem like they were worried that it would lower the voting percentage in favor of the new constitution enough that it would hurt the new constitution's legitimacy or something. So they decided mm -hmm. to carve off the more controversial parts about the, uh, the LGBT rights and basically carve them off, push them into a referendum on the family code, which so all the new laws based on the new constitution, all the new laws governing family law and punt that down the road indefinitely. And so what's happening now, this what just happened is the culmination of this referendum that they punted down the road in 2019. The original, the 2019 constitution was passed with something like 90% approval. Uh, and, and this was just kind of left on the to-do list. And then with the current crisis in Cuba, I mean, like there's a couple there's a couple ways to read this, but I think one of the easy, most obvious is that uh, the Cuban government needed a win, and this was an easy win they could actually deliver in an age of extreme scarcity and rolling blackouts. It's like we can just at least deliver on this promise, and they did. So. Yeah, and I guess so. Can we talk a bit about like like what 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 actually is in the new code and what like what what it does? Yeah, so it it does it does a bunch of pretty cool things. Uh, it legalizes same sex marriage, which is great for a lot of people. Yeah. Not just because you know, not not just because of the principle of it, but also things like okay, you're separating from your partner, but everything is under your partner's name. You're not never legally married. What are your rights? Ba 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 ba. So you like. For, for separation, for immigration, if you're trying to immigrate and you're not married to your spouse, you know, you know, if you're trying to inheritance, all these kinds of things, you know, this is going to be, this is like important in con concrete material ways. Uh, it legalizes adoption by same-sex couples, which is also pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, that was not allowed this at all. This is good. Before. Sucks that <laughs> it wasn't before. Glad, 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 glad you can now do that. That That's good. Hopefully we can still continue to do that here for <laughs> like a few more years at least like yeah ugh. um it legalizes surrogacy and same-sex couples can ben can benefit from can use surrogacy now uh, although on a not-for-profit basis and that's that's specific uh i i'm not an expert on whether or not it is the best policy to have it as only not-for-profit um I, I know that there's a lot of debate over it but the law says not for profit only for surrogacy. 
but that's still another option for people in addition to adoption. Uh, it expands civil unions to be much more inclusive. They're called uniones de hecho in Spanish. So now they are much more inclusive and also, you know, you know, you you don't have to get married. You can get a civil union if you yeah, want. Can, can we explain what that is? Because that was a th- like th- there there was a whole thing in the U.S. like in the in the two thousands about like oh like you could do civil like there, there was a period where it was like there were a lot of places you could get civil unions but you couldn't get married. So can you explain what a civil union is? Because I think that's a thing that like a lot of our audience probably isn't gonna like remember when that was a thing anyone talked about. Sure. I mean, like, I'm, I'm, I'm not a lawyer. So yeah. <laughs> my, my understanding is it is, it is a way to recognize your, your basically partners. You have some rights and it helps with some issues of like, I think it also varies country to country, but it's basically like yeah. a step down from the full commitment of marriage is my understanding. Um, <laughs> sorry that's less no less yeah no like that that was that was my understanding of it it was like like in the u.s it was this whole thing of like well you can have civil unions so you don't need to be married and then people were like no because it doesn't give you it doesn't give you the sort of full suite of like right rights and stuff but it gives you some things which I'm, I'm, gl- a- I'm glad i'm glad he was doing like no you can do both of these things and then wasn't there something about like like yeah, there there were changes to like what, like ch- changes to what can be recognized as a family. That is the part that I've seen the most. Like, I have read a bunch about this, and I'm st- I still feel like this is something that's not. It's not entirely clear what this is going to look like in practice. So basically, it expands. The, the what the legal definition of what can constitute as a family unit uh, to be more focused, less focused on blood ties and more focused on affective ties. So love, affection, you know, caring for each other. Uh, so that, for example, let's say, I, I think like the, the big hypothetical that was held up was like grandparents. So like if the parents aren't around, but in practice, these people are the ones that raise you you know, you know, for, for, for legal stuff that has to do with kids and family law, like we can consider this a family unit is my understanding. It's still really murky and it's not really helping me feel like, like I've, the, the, the things I've read on this also seem to be kind of like, like, here's an explanation. I'm like, that, that doesn't really help me understand this at all. (laughs) Yeah. So it it is a little, and, and, and I've seen people running about this as like, Cuban government has abolished the family. Hooray! And I'm like, did it? <laughs> yeah, it, every, from everything I've read about it, it seems like it's not that they've abolished the family, it's that they've allowed you to change what a family is in the, like, in the eyes of the state, which is not the same thing. Right, right. Like, I... It, it's like giving you more wiggle room. Yeah. Um, is my understanding. But again, it's one of those things where I feel like I, everyone who I've seen running with it has run with a completely different, very triumphalist explanation that are sometimes mutually contradictory. And I'm like, I'd like to see what this actually looks like in practice and yeah. like seeing the effects better uh, because it's it's an under-discussed dynamic of it because like what most people abroad were looking at was like same-sex marriage. So like this, so that was less discussed. But uh, I mean, it seems to be, Positive. The thing that the thing that uh, caused more controversy on the island was there was a shift to patria potestad, 
which is uh, father paternal rights, basically parental rights, right? And um, basically the idea is to switch the child from merely being a subject of their parents' will. In theory, they have more rights and are a subject on their own, even if they're just a kid. Uh, That's trying to, genuinely cool. Yeah, to like prevent things like corporal punishment and things like that. You can't beat yeah. your kids, uh, which also seems like a, a positive change. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, would, would, would love more of that in the U.S. to just like absolutely clobber the like parental rights people because, oh my fucking. They are, they are yeah. going to kill us all. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, the, the funny thing is, like, every time that there's a leftist movement, uh, the, the, the thing is always they're coming for your kids, and then, like, oh, God. Yeah, anyway, sorry. <laughs> no, yeah, like, it's, the right has one thing, and it's the yeah. same thing every time. Yeah. Uh. Uh, those are the kind of the big things that the referendum does. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. The one other thing I wanted to talk about was like, I okay, so there was a, a thing of, okay, so like obviously it, it passed with like 67% of the vote, 
I think. Um, something like that. Like basically two thirds yeah. of the vote. Um, yeah. and I want to talk a bit about like. Okay, so something I saw. Okay, so like, okay, so you have the people who voted against it because they're Christian, and they suck. Um, and the other people who are just homophobic. I non Christian homophobes, non Christian homophobes, but then there was also like something that I saw that was like like people in opposition groups being like we're going to vote against this as like a vote against the government, which yeah. yeah, can we explain what that was about? Because that's yeah, sure, I, and and I think that you also have a division there between the people who are like it's really against the government, but really it's against the. <laughs> the changes yeah, yeah. The about. Like, I, I think that even there, it's a mixed bag of, of both. But um, basically, the idea was that um, by approving this uh, and voting in favor of something cooked up by the government, that they were giving credence to the government, legitimacy to the government. Uh, ergo, the only moral position was either abstention or voting no. Uh, and so, I, I mean, again, a lot of it's mixed up with they also really, as a rule, did not like the content of the law. Yeah. Uh, it, I mean, the, part of the thing is like it's the 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 opposition is in this weird space right now where they have like the more historical branch, which is you have like a historical branch that's like rapidly far right. Uh, and then you have there's a lot of overlap with like Catholic right in there. Uh, and the Catholic far right in there, as I'm sure you understand what that means. Yeah. Uh, but Ooh. but uh, but then you also have a a growing prominent liberal contingent, um, who speaks better, not just doesn't just put on a better face for international audiences, but also puts on a better face for Cuban audiences. Um, and because like Cuba is not a far right wing society. Like, for example, abortion, like I, I spoke to a right wing Cuban who left, who's like, yeah, I, I like Ben Shapiro and a lot of what he says, but I don't get his obsession with abortion. That's a woman's right. Like, that's just so <laughs> weird to me. It, it, it's because like Cubans aren't, aren't necessarily super religious as well, which is a big part of it. Uh, and so into the fetus and all that. Uh, <laughs> so the the so so that's so they're, they're kind of like a but like it's like cats and dogs tied into a sack. So there's like you have these different opposition figures. And I think that the really right wing ones know that they can't be as openly homophobic as they used to be. And so they need to couch it in a different way. I think it's not just that. I don't want to reduce everyone to that. But I do think that's a huge part of that project. And then in addition to that, just people who are like anything that the government does is bad because they're accelerationists. Which is another big part of the opposite. Oh direction. no! Why is every why is everybody an accelerationist now? This is the worst. <laughs> I, I I long I wonder, for the I days. I wonder why everyone's an accelerationist. I, I wonder look, if there's I wonder if there's material realities that are contributing I, I, to that to the. I, I am going to take a time machine and I am going to hunt down Nick Land and I am going to stop the GRU from forming and no one will ever know what accelerationism that's is. Not, you know that's not true. Without Nick Land, someone else would come up with with accelerationism. It's a very but, easy uh, thing to think of yeah, but, but, okay, considering I mean, our to, current to material be fair, reality. To, to, to be fair to Nick Land, at, 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 le at least his version of accelerationism had to do with like 
At I, least it I, was everyone, silly. Well, yeah, well, I mean, look, like, the, the, the version of accelerationism where, like, like cap- capitalism is a human machine that's also a god that only exists in, but that exists continuously in potentia, and uh, all, all, all of you, like, the, the, the market being irresistible because, uh, it, because, because, because it, 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 like, the market itself is a thinking machine. That, uh, th- this is at least funny. Yeah, the, yeah, the exactly. modern stuff is. I God, this is the, yeah. like they. I I I long for the days where there was an argument where people where people would do the modern accelerationist thing and like the Landians would go, no, 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 that's not what accelerationism is. <laughs> <sighs> this is the. I hate this reality. It's the worst. Yeah. <laughs> so that's I mean, like. I think I think a good chunk of the opposition movement can be described as Alex accelerationist. It's not oh, just great. it's not just accelerationists, but I do think a lot of them are in there. Any improvement to anything is helping the government. That's why they support the embargo. That's why they don't want an improvement on any laws. They want things to be as dysfunctional as possible because they think that like the government is incapable of actually getting doing better and to the extent that it becomes better and stronger it's just going to be more repressive ergo the solution is bring the country to a standstill so there will be a a general strike and overthrow the government that's their plan i think that seems like a terrible plan i just gonna gonna throw that out there that's that (laughs) like i i get at that at that point like why do why not just become a terrorist like i don't know like because not, that's because like, that's more scary. That, yeah, that, that that's the actual reason. Yeah, it's, like, it's, like, it's honestly, like yeah, like, it's, it's people. It's pe- people. Pe- people who are too cowardly to like kill someone with their own bombs, so they they kill people by trying to get sanctions through instead. Which is like, <sighs> no. Although there have there have been there have been turns. There was the yeah, um, yeah. Carriles, He blew up a put a frag bomb in a Cuban hotel and killed a Cuban uh, an Italian tourist. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, actually, actually, my, my my dad was working on the extradition case to get him extradited to Venezuela <laughs> over that. Uh, oh, he was. Boy. Yeah, he's the, he also committed the first act. So a Cuban, a CIA trained Cuban exile committed the first act of terrorism involving civil aviation in the Western Hemisphere. Oh, ah. <laughs> that's pretty late. Yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe it was just people were just doing it in and maybe it was just a European thing. And then the CIA was like, what if we bring this? here it's like no sure surely this will work better for us than it worked for every other group who's hijacked a plane in the 1970s oh god (laughs) this sucks i hope i hope those guys have a bad time and that yeah yeah well Passat at least kicked it a couple years ago oh thank god okay (laughs) rest rest in piss official official pot opinion do it we're doing the crabs like (laughs) God, these people suck. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so... Yeah, I guess, do you have anything else that you want to talk about, or...? Uh, I I think that's it. Just thanks a lot for having me on. It was, it was yeah. great to be on. Thanks thanks for coming on. Uh, yeah, uh, queer rights, good. Not doing them bad. Uh, <laughs> don't kill people with sanctions. Yeah. The, definitely d- d- the embargo has been an utter failure at everything yeah, other than get increasing human misery yeah, yeah. fuck that <laughs> like I oh yeah and i guess um yeah one last thing do, do you have uh do you have stuff you want to plug oh sure uh that, that's that's a very good and generous point um so you can find me on twitter at at as peritera p as in peter er t as in tom i e r r a 
I also have a podcast, which is linked in my bio. Uh, I'm doing a history of Cuba um, as an academic, but writing for a more popular audience. And we're going way, we start with the indigenous people. We don't just jump over them. And we're I'm currently working on Columbus. And then uh, let's see. And I also have a Substack called Sin Embargo, S-I-N and then the word embargo. So I, yeah. Yeah, and that, that's without embargo, if I'm my, my yeah, vague without Spanish em- is, okay. <laughs> yes, it means without embargo, but it also sounds like Sin Embargo, which is, I feel mm. like, a, I yeah. feel like would be a cool band name. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, well, we will, we, will, we will link to stuff in the, we will link to that in the description and... Yeah, thank you for joining us. This this has been Naked Happened Here. Um, yeah, make bad things happen to homophobes and get good things to happen. It Could Happen Here is a production of Cool Zone Media. For more podcasts from Cool Zone Media, visit our website, coolzonemedia.com, or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find sources for It Could Happen Here updated monthly, at coolzonemedia.com slash sources. Thanks for listening. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career. And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota.